The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. South Africans have a ghastly habit of judging people and allowing them to be found guilty in what we term trial by media. We see everything that's possibly horrendously associated with the individual being brought into the public domain, and we seem to forget what role those people have played in respect of the liberty of, of our country. When one looks at a person like Carl Niehaus, for example, not many people remember the fact that he was taken out of university, he was tortured, he was found guilty of treason, he was imprisoned for a period of 15 years, he was released early due to the negotiations that took place in 1990-1991. He then became a member of the negotiating committee of the ANC. He later joined the NEC. He was an MP. He became ambassador to the Netherlands and was spokesperson to President Mandela. He hasn't left public service in that he is now a member of the Secretary General of the ANC's office and also a member of the Mkwantri Seizwe Military Veterans Association. Cole, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thanks for having me. I think I must just emphasize that I'm talking to you this afternoon in my capacity as the spokesperson of MKMVA. I'm not coming to this show as someone who is employed in the office of the Secretary General because that position of spokesperson of the African National Congress is not mine. I was a spokesperson for the ANC many years ago, but I'm not now. The national spokesperson of the African National Congress is Comrade Pule Mabe. So I cannot try to usurp that role, but I can certainly speak in my personal capacity as a member of the African National Congress and as the spokesperson of the Umkontuisiswe Military Veterans Association. Well, thank you for setting the, the parameters for the engagements. I think it's very important that the, view, that the listeners understand why we're having this important conversation today. There is so much that's going on at the present moment, and you have been a member of the party for 41 years. You, you were, you were trialed, you were, you were, you were successfully prosecuted by the apartheid regime and given a 15 year sentence for treason. When you were released after 10 years, you were able to serve in the party that's the current ruling party of the country and has been since 1994. So the opinions that we would like you to express today are those that you've experienced as a person within the party. And that leads me to my very first question. Do you believe, as a, as a member of 41 years, that seeing the trials and tribulations of the ANC, that the ANC is factionalized? Uh, Chad, let me first of all just refer to a short anecdote about the time when I was sentenced. I was asked to give evidence in so-called mitigation, but as a young man who felt very strongly about my commitment to the African National Congress and my membership of the ANC and of MKMBA, I was asked by the prosecutor, a certain Jan Swanepoel, whether I would have continued with my activities of armed resistance against the apartheid regime and whether I would also have considered the then president of the Republic of South Africa, Minister P.W. Boota, to be a legitimate target. My response to that was 
that while I abhor violence and while I am not someone who easily is convinced to use violence under the circumstances of the apartheid regime and what it had done and it being a crime against humanity, I would certainly have considered Mr. P.W. Bhutta target and certainly also continued with my activities on behalf of Mkontuisiswe. So I didn't really go for mitigation. In fact, the judge, after I had heard this, said to me, young man, you better be very careful. The charge of high treason carries the sentence of death, and I may just decide to impose it if you continue to have this attitude. Yes, I continued to have that position, I'm proud of having taken that position against the evil of apartheid. And that brings me to your question about factionalism in the African National Congress. Sadly, there is factionalism within the ANC. On the 18th of August, the Mkontuisiswe Military Veterans Association issued a very important press statement where it said, we as soldiers of Mkontuisiswe, who have dedicated our lives to the liberation struggle. Some of us have seen our brothers and sisters in MK dying in the struggle. Others of us, like myself, went to prison. We are deeply concerned about these divisions within the African National Congress. The factionalism that we see, which also, we have said, tends to paralyze the ability of the National Executive Committee of the African National Congress to fulfill its mandate and to deliver a better life to the people of South Africa. So you understand the context in which I told you that first anecdote. It is a deep concern to many of us who have dedicated our lives to the liberation of the people of South Africa and to this liberation movement, the African National Congress, which is the oldest liberation movement in Africa, that it is currently in the divisions and the problems of factionalism that we are experiencing. So, yes, it is a problem. And as a loyal member of the ANC and also an executive member of Mkontuisiswe Military Veterans Association, myself and my fellow comrades in MKMVA are trying to make our contribution to unite the African National Congress and to make sure that it can, can continue to fulfill its mandate as a liberation movement. Well, that cleared up the fact that we believe there's factionalism, and at least it's now out there and it's something that can be discussed further. We're going to pick up on that a little bit later in the show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you more about the Mkontuisiswe Military Veterans Association and the role that they currently play in everyday politics. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting to Carl Niehaus, who is a 41-year veteran of the ANC, a member of the Nkwantua Military Veterans Association, somebody who was knighted by the Queen of the Netherlands for his duties to, to mankind and in respect of the liberation movement, and somebody who has been quite a controversial figure over the years. And it's the way I introduced my show that I think is so vitally important. We as South Africans have this terrible habit 
where we look to the negative in a person, we never look towards the positive. And also, when wanting to find out more about a particular situation, we rely on what we get told and we rely on what we read rather than going directly to the source and finding out for, for ourselves what's going on. And that's what, what these radio shows are all about. With that in mind, Cole, we've seen of late Umkontwe Siege Military Veterans Association involving themselves in things directly outside of politics and more along the lines of trying to um, force a movement in KwaZulu-Natal, specifically in Durban, with regards to foreign traders. Are these guys speaking as Umkontwe says we're Military Veterans Association members, or is this a rogue element that is trying to hijack the, what the MKMVA stands for? Well, Chad, first of all, the issue of undocumented and illegal immigrants is not a non-political issue. It's definitely a matter for politics. You know, we have a society that is in the thralls of deep divisions. We have got one of the most unequal societies in the world, poverty for the vast majority of South Africans, is truly their accompaniment every day. So under those circumstances, we cannot have a situation where undocumented and illegal foreigners are able to operate within the economic space in South Africa. No democratic society will allow that. And the fact that this has happened and developed over a number of years in South Africa is truly unacceptable. It is unacceptable because of the failures of our own Department of Home Affairs. It is also unacceptable because of the lack of law enforcement by our law enforcement agencies. So, yes, there are members of Mkontu, which is where Military Veterans Association, who have participated in campaigns to identify illegal and undocumented foreigners here in the country, and they've done so in conjunction together with the law enforcement agencies. They have arrested some of those persons, and they've delivered them to police stations. I want to emphasize that Umkontu Visizwe Military Veterans Association is not against that campaign. But any violence that is associated with these activities or any acts of criminality is totally unacceptable to us. And anyone who tries to jump onto the bandwagon of these campaigns by members of Mkontuisizwe Military Veterans Association and abuse these campaigns for criminal activity or any violence, we will totally distance ourselves from them, and we reject such activities. But I'm sure you understand the context that I've explained to you about why members of Mkontuisizwe Military Veterans Association are participating in this campaign and why it is truly a campaign that I believe needs to get the support of everyone in South Africa as long as we continue to act within the parameters of the law. This brings me to a, to, to a bit of a dilemma. You're speaking about um, individuals that are targeted because they're in the country illegally. They've taken advantage of an economic situation to set up and to trade their own types of businesses. And you say this is as a result of 
the, the, the lack of oversight from departments such as Home Affairs, a lack of enforcement from our law enforcement agencies. But these are all organizations that are currently under the control of the party. Do you not believe that this is misdirected anger on the part of the military veterans in respect to the fact that what we've seen, and you highlighted the fact that there's this immense disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Do you not believe that this is misdirected anger because we're not seeing a proper plan put in place to address this issue of there being such a vast divide between those that have and those that do not have? Chad, I think you are addressing two different issues. Let me deal with them First the one and then the second. First of all, illegality of foreigners inside the country is a major problem. And it has to be addressed. It is not a misdirected action to address that particular issue. And I very deliberately said to you that I don't believe that this will be acceptable within any democratic society. Now, the issue of the inequality in our society is point number one, and the fact that there's such a huge number of poor and unemployed people in our country certainly is a matter for very serious concern. And certainly, despite the fact that the African National Congress, since it returned to South Africa and in fact became the governing party in 1994, had done many things in order to improve the lives of our people. The ANC has to take part of the responsibility that we had failed to change the fundamental structure of our economy. Our economy, in terms of its fundamental structure, in terms of the control that there is by white monopoly capital as the controlling financial institutions, and the management of our economy in South Africa, and the fact that it had not changed since 1994 is a very serious matter for concern. And my party, the African National Congress, has to certainly take a large chunk of the responsibility for not having changed this economic structure. And I would emphasize, and I've said so many times, that as long as we don't deal with the fundamental economic inequalities that is built into this structure where white monopoly capital continues to control our economy and a structure which is in fact coming also from the previous colonial and new colonial eras, we will not see justice and we will not see a significant decrease in the inequalities that we have in South Africa. So the challenge on question number two is whether the African National Congress will be prepared to implement what it calls its own fundamental economic policy program, which is radical economic transformation. Now, radical economic transformation is not something which is alien or which is a separate grouping or a faction within the African National Congress. It is the core of the ANC's economic policy. If you look at the resolutions that were passed at the 54th National Conference of the ANC in 2017 at Nazareth, 
you find the whole set of resolutions which include the expropriation of the land without compensation, the nationalization of the South African Reserve Bank, also the restructuring of our financial institutions, insurance companies, banks, etc., etc., in order to deliver the empowerment of the majority of black people and especially African people in this country. The fact that we had failed to do so is a very serious indictment on my party. At the same time, the fact that since 2017, the national executive of the African National Congress, the ANC in general also, has failed to implement those resolutions for radical economic transformation that were adopted at our national conference is also a very serious indictment on the African National Congress. And it is in that context that many members of the ANC have raised their concern and have said that the time had come for those official economic policy decisions of the ANC, which is summarized as radical economic transformation, to be implemented. I think what's very important here is that you you are saying that the ANC, in certain instances, needs to fall on its sword and acknowledge the major faults that have been made. We saw a massive redistribution plan rolled out. We saw services rendered to some of the most needy communities. We saw houses that were built, roads that were built, clinics that were built. But we've also seen a growth in the disparities of those that have and those that do not have. And one of the main issues that is spoken about daily, whether it is on the news, whether it's in the newspaper, or whether it's around the dining room table, is the fact that corruption has played a role in this. Would you agree with me that there are elements within the party that have used the RDP program and are trying to stay away from the RET program and other programs to enrich themselves at the expense of the very people that have voted them into power? I'm glad that you referred to the fact that the African National Congress did do a lot for the improvement of the living conditions of the people in South Africa. Sometimes that is underemphasized, and I think it undermines even the strength of our arguments when we raise the concerns that you've just raised and the concerns that I raised earlier about the lack of implementation of our economic policy of radical economic transformation. Now, yes, I agree with you that there are those within the African National Congress and also in the broad South African society who have enriched themselves in the period since 1994. There are also those comrades within the African National Congress and also others within the ANC who may not be in leadership positions, but who are business people who have made unholy, I would call, unholy alliances with white monopoly, monopoly capital in order to enrich themselves rather than to bring about the full transformation of our economy and the empowerment of all black people and especially Africans. Now, there's an old saying by Karl Marx that a person's political conscience is determined by that person's material conditions and material well-being. I've seen personally, as you said, 
I've been in the African National Congress 41, now almost 42 years. I've definitely seen some comrades going through what I consider to be quite a remarkable transformation. Comrades who've been dedicated members of the African National Congress, dedicated to the fundamental economic transformation of our society, but as they managed to enrich themselves, as they engaged with white monopoly capital and in some instances became the fronts for white monopoly capital, they changed and their commitment to the fundamental revolutionary transformation of our society changed to becoming reformist and changed to a position where they were first and foremost interested in their own enrichment and in the enrichment of the small circle within which they were living and that they were taking care of. Now, Paul, you mentioned... Sorry. Can I just say this? Yes, go ahead. I just want to emphasize because you asked me about corruption. Corruption is definitely part of this. But we must emphasize that corruption is committed by individuals, not by a political party or a liberation movement itself. That is why many of us have been so disturbed when there was that phrase used in the letter by our president, Ramaphosa, where he said the African National Congress stand as accused number one in the dock for corruption. And we said, no, that cannot be correct. There are individuals who are corrupt. Those individuals have to be apprehended, but they cannot become the incarnation of the African National Congress as such. We have to make that distinction, and with that distinction, Chad, comes also the need to divorce the battle against, the fight against corruption from factional political activity. We must deal with any individual who is corrupt on an equal and even-handed basis. We cannot use the concept of corruption for selectively targeting certain members of the African National Congress because many in the top leadership may not agree with their positions, while others who have acted equally wrongly are let off the hook because their positions are in agreement with the powers that be within the ANC. Sorry, I interrupted you. you no problem at all. I'm going, to, I'm going to hold the question over till just after the ad break. We're going to be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Before we went to break, we were chatting about corrupt elements that are individuals within the party and how Carl believes a party should not be blamed for the individual, for the actions of individuals. And we all know that the party has become factionalized and we all know that there are people that are trying to do good and conversely there are people that are doing bad. And with that being said, Carl, one of the things that was taken away from Nazrik, which was so critically important that everybody spoke about, was the fact that people that were found to, to have been involved in, in, in allegations of corruption would be held accountable, but more importantly, the, 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 it was alluded to the fact that if somebody was accused of corruption, that they would step aside during that corruption investigation. Was this a, a, a mistaken um, opinion? Was this interpreted incorrectly? What, does the, what is the party's current viewpoint on people who are accused of corruption? 
Well, of course, it is a complicated issue, and that matter is obviously going to be part of the discussions in the last National Executive Committee meeting of the year of the ANC, which is currently uh, busy happening. So one has to be careful how one addresses this issue. But I think the following needs to be said. First of all, neither in the African National Congress's constitution nor in the constitution of our country is there any provision that any person should step aside when they have been charged with a particular offense. Because the national constitution of our country will, in the overarching way, determine everything and also determines what the ANC constitution is about. And may I hasten to say that the ANC constitution doesn't provide such a provision either. So the national constitution has as its fundamental maxim, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And certainly when you are charged with an offense doesn't mean that you'll be found guilty, or it may not even mean that your trial will go to its conclusion. Along the way, that trial may even end. The charges may even be withdrawn. So that issue is very important to consider. At the same time, there are certain individuals, also some of them members of the National Executive of the African National Congress, sitting at the moment in the NEC, who have been heard by certain of the Chapter 9 institutions and certain judgments in the sense of a guilty finding has been made against them. I'm also talking here about some of the findings of the public protector. Now, the African National Congress had asked for legal opinion on this issue. And what I understand is from the eminent lawyers who have been requested to provide their opinions, the following transpired. As far as those who are charged, but who have not yet gone through the legal process and who have certainly not yet been found guilty by a court of law, there is no powers within the hands of the ANC to demand that those people should step aside because there's no such thing as... I put it in quotation marks, a guilty verdict. But certainly with regards to those who have been heard by some of the Chapter 19 institutions, also including the public protector, there is a serious concern about having got a guilty finding against them. And there, the issue of expecting that such persons, such members also of the national uh, executive of the ANC should step aside. Sorry, did I say chapter 19? I meant chapter 9 institutions. But that is the difference that we are faced with. I don't think I should preempt what will come out of the National Executive Committee of the African National Congress, but I do think it is very important to emphasize that from where I am sitting and where many other members of the African National Congress is sitting, and definitely also where Umkontui says where Military Veterans Association is, we cannot see any justification 
for demanding that any person, including also the Secretary General of the African National Congress, Comrade Ace Magashula, should be expected of to step aside on the basis of simply having been charged in a court of law. And our understanding is that to push for that and to try and force any individual to do so would indeed be unconstitutional and would indeed be illegal. Carl, a very important question that people want to hear the answer to, that people in law enforcement are concerned about, is the fact that there is this fear that there will be an undermining of the findings of the of the State Capture Commission and that law enforcement agencies tasked with investigating fraud and corruption across the board will once again, like we saw with the Scorpions, be either disbanded or incapacitated to continue with their work. Is this a fear that needs to be taken to heart? Are we looking to see the the investigative director of the NPA um, incapacitated? And are we looking to see the Hawks in any way meddled with to prevent them from fulfilling their obligations? I think we need to answer this question historically. You will recall that there was a long process where certain charges were brought against President Jacob Zuma. You will also recall that there was an involvement of the Scorpions in that process and also the National Prosecuting Authority. I think you will also recall, and this is very important, that there were a number of phone calls that became publicly known where very senior members of the National Prosecuting Authority were discussing what would be the correct time in terms of their objectives to charge President Zuma in order to cause him the greatest political harm. Now, I want to jump forward. I want you to remember and understand what I've just said. I want to take you forward to a recent interview that the former head of the National Prosecuting Authority, Advocate Bulalani Mkuka, had with Newsroom Africa, where he indicated that there was not sufficient evidence to charge President Zuma. And where he then proceeded to say, well, I sincerely hope that the current National Prosecuting Authority indeed have in evidence to charge President Zuma because otherwise we're going to end up with a lot of egg on our faces. Currently, as we sit here today, on Monday, the 7th of December, we were supposed to have tomorrow, on Tuesday, the 8th of December, President Zuma again appearing in the Peter Maritzburg High Court. But he's not going to appear, because despite all the things that the National Prosecuting Authority have told us over the years, that they were ready to proceed with the case against him, they are not ready. And it is now necessary to postpone that case once again into the new year to an undefined date. All of this raised very serious concerns about how certain legal processes get used for political purposes. Now I want to take you to the recent appearance of President Zuma in front of the Zondu Commission. And I want to remind you of what President Zuma's senior counsel 
Atukatsekakani said when he said, there's an atmosphere within which President Zuma feel that he will not have a fair hearing in the Zondu Commission. And I think similarly we can say that same atmosphere prevail with regards to whether President Zuma will be able to get a fair trial with that case that is now in front of the Peter Maritzburg High Court. In both instances, we've had over years a massive propaganda process on the go, besmirching President Zuma. I've never in my life seen the kind of character assassinations in the media that I've seen with regards to President Zuma. Therefore, Advocate Sekakani said there's an atmosphere within which President Zuma quite correctly can feel that he's unlikely to get a fair hearing and that certain of the actions of the Deputy Chief Justice, while he's serving as the chair of this Commission of Inquiry into State Capture, also raises the same concerns. I'm raising all of this because you've asked me a very important question. Is there a danger that there can be meddling with the Hawks or with our law enforcement agencies and also with our courts? Yes, there is indeed a very serious danger. But the danger is not one which should be projected into the future, as if someone will now intervene and try to disband the Hawks or do something with regards to intervening to manipulate our court system and our law enforcement agencies. The sad thing is that we are already experiencing those manipulations. The case of President Zuma is, I think, the most prominent and the most important case to refer to in this instance. But it's not the only one. There's also the charge that had been brought against the Secretary General of the African National Congress, Comrade Ace Magashule, for something which is an amorphous charge of oversight. Again, we ask ourselves, why is the charges being brought against Comrade Ace Magashule while many other people have been exposed in the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture and in other institutions for having taken bribes, for having received free gifts, as they had been clearly from Busasa, for certain very senior members of the African National Congress's National Executive Committee, even in one instance a deputy minister, Deputy Minister Tabang Makwetla, who received three alarm systems at his house, which he had not paid for, and who himself had admitted to the National Executive Committee of the African National Congress that he had actually been given a million rands, which he sat on for over a month before he returned it to Bosasa. And there are, of course, well. all the other Bosasa matters, also including the issues that we are very well aware of with regards to payments to the campaign of CR-17 and what transpired in Parliament when President Ramaphosa addressed those. And then, of course, Chad, and I cannot avoid to raise this, the activities of Minister Praveen Gordon, what happened with regards to the rogue unit, the information that he gave to court and also the information that he gave to Parliament 
which by his own admission when he appeared in front of the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture under the very, very direct and stringent cross-questioning of Advocate Darling Porfo admitted that there was a rogue unit. Now, we're talking today in the context of a judgment by the Northern Gauteng High Court, which said that the public protector's report on the matter of the rogue unit was not correct. They attacked that report and they accused the public protector of all kinds of things. But we have to ask ourselves, in the light of what Minister Gordon himself admitted, how is it possible to say that it is not true that Minister Gordon misled Parliament and that he gave wrong information to a court? We must ask ourselves, how can this judgment that came out today say that the apology that had been made to the Sunday Times uh, that the Sunday Times made and the Cruen apology had not been taken into consideration by the public protector. Oh, but Minister Gordon himself, Minister Gordon himself has admitted that he had actually uh, been part of this rogue unit, that he knew about it and that the rogue unit reported to him. So we must ask ourselves, is our yeah. court system indeed correct and uh, is it not already being used for party political purposes? So, Cole, I now understand why you were the spokesperson for various entities <laughs> within a party, because you know how to take something and you know how to expand on it. We've run out of time, yes. so I have a final question for you. We've, we've agreed that the party is factionalized. We've agreed that there are corrupt elements within the party, and we've agreed that this has had a direct impact on service delivery. In two minutes, can you tell me and my listeners, is there still a part that the African National Congress as the oldest liberation movement can play in South Africa or has corruption caught up with it and must the party die? The party must not die. We can correct the mistakes and the corruption that there is as long as we deal with it in an even-handed fashion. The party can regain its revolutionary heart by implementing the radical economic transformation policy program that its own national conference in 2017 adopted. The ANC has the ability to self-correct, but then it must rid itself from those who have sold their souls to white monopoly capital and regain its commitment to fundamentally transform our economy in order to serve the black and especially the African people of South Africa. May I apologize that I perhaps spoke too much and not allowing you to ask enough questions. I just wanted to make a couple of points very strongly. Thank you. Cole, Cole you made some, some very interesting points. Um, some will, will, will agree to disagree, but what came out of this is very important. We have a party that still plays a critical role in South Africa. It's the ruling party. It needs massive introspection. The exactly. people that are involved in corruption need to be looked at, and the people that need service delivery on the ground need that service delivery. Cole, thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us today. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity. 
Shah, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. We could have had this conversation for the next three hours. There are so many important points to discuss in South Africa. And one thing that we need to understand is that everybody has a viewpoint and we cannot subjectively go into things. We have to look at it from an objective perspective and give everybody the opportunity to speak. Colin, thank you for joining us today. We'll be back same time, same place next week.